when we're lowering the insulin levels, then that will allow leptin to be released. So that will allow our body's fat cells to say, hey, use me. We don't need as much food. Use me. Welcome to Habits and Humor, where you come to make serious progress without taking life too seriously. This podcast shows how we can use embarrassing moments as empowering tools to help us create powerful daily habits and enjoy life at the same time. I'm Susie B, author and creator of Life Conscious and master of all things embarrassing. This is Habits and Humor. Come to laugh, stay to learn, choose to live. Hormones. There's such a huge mystery involved with hormones and how it affects your weight loss, how it affects your health, all these kinds of things. Today, we're joined by a fantastic guest. I am so excited to have this woman here. Amrudi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored to be here and to be serving your clients. So fun. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. So you guys, this is a part of the 10-week Habitize series. This is a part of my paid group coaching program. And as part of this, I wanted to bring in experts who can help with the specific needs of the women in this group. And one of these specific needs is hormones. And there's so much information convolution out there that people get really confused about this topic. And so Amrudi, we brought you in in particular because you like to focus on hunger hormones in specifically. Tell me a little bit about kind of, let's actually, let's back up a little bit. Let's learn a little bit about your story and why hunger hormones means so much to you. And then we'll get into exactly what they are and how they help us. Yeah. Okay. So this is so fun. So I am a physician in the UK. So I'm a doctor in the UK and I had been up and down with my weight all my life. And so it was really interesting because I knew the science and I still wasn't able to lose some further weight. And I was like, what is going on here? There's like, um, I need to try and understand like, why am I not further losing any weight? Like I would feel shame about seeing patients because I was like, oh my goodness, I'm um, you know, like overweight myself as a physician. And so that would brought up a lot of shame. And so I was, um, like, okay, let me go into coaching. So coaching is where you look at lots of different aspects of, uh, weight loss. So that's the mindset, that's the hunger hormones, that's the urges and the over desire and so much of it. And so what I decided to do was I decided to kind of um, allow myself to get coached and um, and actually feel some of that shame. And when I was able to do that, my whole life changed. So not only was I able to uh, balance out my hunger hormones, especially because I had a history of, uh, well, a family history of diabetes in the family, like all of my uncles and dad and everyone has diabetes. So for <laughs> me to be able to kind of like, hey, I'm just going to balance out these hunger hormones so that I can actually improve my health and lose weight for the rest of my life. And I never need to worry about it again. Once I've learned it, I've learned it. That's when everything changed for me. So I was able to lose 42 kilograms, which is 92 pounds um, in my journey. And I was now I'm able to create really easy, doable plans for myself, balance my hunger hormones and not need to worry about should I eat this? Should I not? Like, you know, I, I just get to make it very simple for myself because I understand that science and I understand the mindset. And it just feels like really like easy and calm and free. And I don't have to worry about it anymore, which is really fun because um, only 1% of people actually maintain their weight loss. So it's, this is one of the missing pieces in that, um, in my journey. So I feel so honored to be able to bring you this information today. 
Oh, I love your story. I love it so much. And I love how much you use the words fun, the words easy, the words that feels right. Like just what you do now makes so much sense for you. And we all want a little piece of that. So like you're talking about, so many of us lose weight and then gain it back and then lose weight and then gain it back. And it's such a frustrating process for so many women in particular. So what were you able to do specifically with these hunger hormones in particular that made it so that you could keep the weight off and so that you could feel good in the plans that you make for yourself so that it makes sense so that it's easy and it's possible for life? Yeah. So being scientific, I wanted to know the science. I wanted to like learn all about it. So I basically like researched it in depth and I'm just going to really simplify it for you on this call because um, it will be um, very like um, we'll be able to understand it when I'm able to simplify it. So yes, I'm, going to, <laughs> I'm going to talk about three main hunger hormones today um, and that will help you understand the basics of how the hunger hormones work. And I just want to like, um, just like drop a little caveat here. There you can, we can go into a lot of depth about this and we will, if you have questions, I'm very happy to kind of like take on any questions and things, but I've made this quite simple on purpose because I want it to be something that you can easily go and start applying in your life right now. So the main hunger hormone that um, affects weight loss is insulin. So what is insulin? Insulin is a hormone, which is a chemical messenger released every time we eat food. So when we eat food, insulin levels go up. And what does insulin do? It basically is something that helps move sugar from our food, from the food that we consume into our cells, because we need that, um, that energy, right? So that's what insulin does. So in essence, insulin is a fat storage hormone. So if it's a storage hormone, it moves the sugar from the, from the blood into the cells. Then whenever you're eating, you're going to be in fat storage mode rather than fat burning mode. And whenever we're trying to, um, when we're trying to kind of understand like, Hey, I want to be losing weight. I want to be accessing my fat stores on my body so that I am able to burn that fat, basically. That's what we want to do in weight loss, right? So the aim of that is to lower our insulin levels. How do we do that? I hear you asking. Great question. Yes. Yes. Please tell us how. (laughs) Okay. So what you want to do is you want to lower how much insulin you like are having on a a, a basal level. So that means that that's the background level of insulin that you have. So Remember, every time we eat, our insulin levels go up. So one way of doing that is something called intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is when you are increasing the period between meals, basically. And we normally naturally, as humans, we fast for about 10 to 12 hours a day when we're sleeping. So one way of lowering your insulin levels is to increase the period between when you're going to be eating. And you can do this in like lots and lots of different ways. But one of the ways is to just delay your breakfast until you're actually physically hungry. 
So that is one way. Now, a lot of people say, may say, hey, I'm not sure about intermittent fasting. I um, like, you know, I've tried it or it didn't really work for me and things like that. But there's lots and lots of different, different versions of intermittent fasting. Some people do one meal a day. Some people do 20, fast for 20 hours and eat over a four hour window. Some people, um, you know, fast for 16 hours and then eat over an eight hour period. So there's lots of different versions. Um, so when my clients come to me, what I normally suggest is if they're willing to do that, some people aren't willing to do that, and that's completely fine. But if you want to um, lower your insulin levels, what that helps you do is become something called fat adapted. So what that means is you're able to use your fat as fuel much more readily. So that is definitely something that can help. Um, Susie, did you want me to go more into intermittent fasting? or? Um, um, I have a question about intermittent fasting. Yeah, go so for it. does that apply differently to the different metabolic types? I know that some people do extremely well when they have an earlier breakfast and they eat smaller meals throughout the day. Other people do extremely well when they're doing intermittent fasting and they're waiting until later in the day. How do we know if the shorter window of time works for us or if intermittent fasting isn't really for us altogether? And is it metabolically like metabolic type related? So I don't actually believe in the metabolic types. What I believe in is the hunger hormones. So basically, if you think about it, there's um, so insulin is one of them. I'll talk about the other two um, in a second. But what I normally suggest with my clients is it's a lot of trial and error. So when I first started intermittent fasting, I didn't actually lose any weight for four months. And the reason I say that is because the main aim initially is not weight loss. The main aim initially is to balance your hunger hormones so you can actually start paying attention to when you're physically hungry and when you have eaten to enough. Because when we can balance out these hormones, then what happens is you can actually start paying attention to your body's internal signals about when am I actually physically hungry? And when have I eaten to enough? Now, there's lots of caveats here. We could talk about emotional hunger and physical hunger and the differences between that. We can go into that maybe later on if, if we do have time. But I normally say, start off with 16-8. Start off with kind of like having two meals a day, no snacks, um, and then see how you go. If you're finding that that's really hard for you, then it's just about tweaking your meals when you are eating them so that you can see. Now, if you feel like, actually, I do better with three small meals during that time, then it's just about saying, okay, today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try this and seeing how your body responds, because everyone's body is going to be completely different. But if you just want a starting point, starting with two meals a day with no snacks, try that. If that feels too hard for you, then maybe three, three small meals see how you go with that. So it's a lot of trial and error. And I don't think that there's any one size fits all. So that's why your what's going to work for me may not work for you. So that's why it's about just starting off with something and then deciding, hey, I'm just going to tweak as I go along. I think that's one of the most important parts of intermittent fasting right there. What you just said, what might work for you may not work for me. And you got to know your body. So that's a huge part of it. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, one other question. I know there is different intermittent fasting ways to do it like. Once a week, you can do a full 24 hour fast or, you know, once a month, you can do a 40 hour fast, things like that. What, what are your thoughts on the longer fasts versus the more consistent fasts? Yeah. So this is such an interesting question. There's lots of um, evidence to show that when you're fasting for 16 hours, they normally suggest. Um, so I read lots of books on this and things. So some of the books that you may want to go and read are The Obesity, the Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. Um 
there's lots of other ones as well, but I think that would be one where you'll be able to kind of really get in, really understand the science behind it. Um, so what he suggests is you start becoming, uh, you start actually getting the main benefits from about 12 hours of fasting. And then when you are fasting for 16 hours, what tends to happen is um, you start to um, repair some of the um, cells in your body. And that is optimum at 24 hours. So I think what you want to start thinking about is what is your main aim with the intermittent fasting? Initially, when I started fasting, it was for weight loss. But then when I was at goal weight, like I still intermittent fast, uh, now my goal is just, um, just, you know, healthy living. And so now I don't need to fast as long because I'm not doing it for weight loss. So I generally do fast for about 16 to 20 hours a day. And that works really well. And it's very flexible. Like some days I'll have two meals, some days I'll have three meals, some days I'll have one meal. And I base it on what my needs are for the day. So I think that's very important. You know, like how when people say, should you have just the, the one meal or should you have like lots of meals? I think it's based on what your needs are for the day and what you are able to tolerate, what your body is able to tolerate. I must say long fast. I have done long fast before and I often do one meal a day. And I really do think that that's a good way of um, increasing the autophagy, which is when you are actually repairing your cells. So I would say that maybe one fast of one 24 hour fast per week is um, a good um, thing for you if you are able to tolerate that. But I wouldn't just jump in and do that straight away. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I want you to kind of like start slow. You don't need to kind of like jump in and, and like fast and think, oh my gosh, I have to like do these 24 hour fasts because it can seem quite like, um, what's the word, uh, like intense. And yes. all it, or nothing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like that. You get to decide, how do I want to start? And then I can build up on this. Because remember, this is a lifestyle. This isn't something that you're just going to do once. You're going to be doing it like again and again. Which brings me to kind of like, I think your question was, should, you know, what is the difference between the different regimes? So a lot of people ask me, what about 5-2? You know, like fasting for five days, uh, uh, sorry, um, eating normally for five, five days, days and then two. fasting for two days. Um, what I would normally say is, what you want to do is you want to become fat adapted and it's much easier to become fat adapted when you're not replenishing your um, glycogen stores in your, in your muscles. So how does it work? Initially, your body uses your um, blood glucose. When there's more blood glucose than your body needs, it gets stored in your muscles uh, and in your liver as something called glycogen. And then when you've got even more than that, then it gets stored in your fat cells as fat. So what I would say about the 5-2 is I wouldn't really recommend it because every time you are using up the um, glycogen stores, um, you want to then like enable your body to start using up your fat stores. But if you keep like, you know, um, replenishing the glycogen, your body's always going to go for that because it's much easier to break down the, the glycogen than it is to break down your body fat. So that's why I would, I would recommend actually fasting daily. Interesting. Okay. Brilliant. So I use something that I call fitness fasting and I encourage people to, you know, have a window of time where they eat, because I believe one of the strongest mechanisms of intermittent fasting is the pattern. When your body knows what time to expect food, then it will be able to get into, you know, fat adapt adaptation and burning mode and all of that stuff faster. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of the strongest pieces of uh, intermittent fasting is every day at the same time, you're going to get fuel. Mm -hmm when your body gets into that pattern, it can expect it. However, yes. I believe that, um, during fitness hours, I think you need a 
unique source of fuel. I think you need instant fuel right then. And so I mm-hmm. encourage my clients that on the days that they're working out, um, they need to increase their fuel around the time that they are working out within an hour mm-hmm. before or after. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Um, I think that the exercise prevents the whole, uh, your body when you're, when, when insulin is released during a workout, it's not in storage mode. It's in usage mode because it's being, you know, it's using what's in your muscles. Um, so I, I think that that sort of counteracts that piece of what insulin does when you're in fitness mode. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? So a lot of people like do it differently. So um, some people say, actually, I prefer to work out fasted because when you're working out fasted, so around about 16 hours, then your levels of growth hormone in the in the blood are raised. And so you can build lean muscle quicker. Um, and so a lot of people do prefer to work out fasted because they don't like feeling bloated and things like that. Now, I think it's based on how you feel, because I don't think there's a one size fits all. Like I know for me, I prefer to work out fasted, but I know my husband feels queasy when he, when he does that. So I don't think that there's any like one size fits all for, for, for anyone. But what I would do is I would try both ways. And then I would see how do I actually physically feel in my body? And if it feels like I'm feeling very lightheaded or I'm feeling like um, I need some fuel, then of course, like you fuel your body, you listen to what your body is saying and give that to yourself. But just wanted to like say, whilst you are becoming fat adapted, it normally takes about six to eight weeks of, um, you know, intermittent fasting. And another way to do that is to reduce the um, very concentrated and refined um, uh things that we have in our diet. And the main things are sugar and flour, which really will raise the um, insulin levels through the roof. So that's one way of kind of um, lowering your insulin levels, lowering the amount of sugar and flour that you are eating on a regular basis. Now, this isn't a restriction diet. This isn't something that you're never going to be eating that ever again. But this is as a lifestyle, if you want to lower your insulin levels, then that is something that can really help with lowering that. Because Whenever you're having sugar and flour, your body is not used to the very refined carbohydrates. So it it sends your insulin through the roof. And so in our like way of eating these days, there's so much sugar and flour, like in everything that we eat. And so just kind of like being mindful of, hey, do I need this right now? Or could I like, you know, make a switch um, that doesn't have as much sugar and flour that will definitely help lower those insulin levels. Interesting. Yeah, it's definitely released higher on those kinds of foods for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So that kind of covers insulin. Uh, we do have a question in the chat here. If you yeah. are eating one meal a day, is it a large meal? How many calories is ideal? Um, what, what's the one meal a day idea? I really hate yeah. this idea. Can I just say that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, okay. So it depends on mainly on you and I don't really like calories and things. I know a lot of people and a lot of our society base it on calories, but I think calories are just a a one way of like, I think it's just um, like a one way. And actually I think so much of it, it's multifactorial. Um, And when we actually base it on our hunger hormones and actually like our internal hunger, then I think that for some people, calories like would be like, it's basically putting everyone in the same box. So for me, I may be eating 1200 calories and for someone else, they may be eating 2000, like 200 calories. And actually it's the, you know, it's working. But what I would like to say is when you are basing it, like it it will be a a considerable meal. Like when I have what large, like a one meal a day, I have (laughs) 
a lot of food <laughs> and it's not about restricting yourself in that time it's about paying attention to what is your body needing in that time so i'll give you an example so when i'm having one meal a day i would have for example i'd have maybe three eggs i'd have some cheese i'd have some avocado i'd have um lots of like like a big plate of veg i'd have some berries i'd have some cream i'd have some peanut butter and a glass of milk so if you think about it in just in calories that would be very calorific but i am not basing it on the calories i'm basing it on how does my body feel am i eating when i'm physically hungry and am i stopping at enough and when you can do that it doesn't matter really on the calories Great. Okay. Awesome. All right. So we've covered insulin. I know you said there's two other hunger hormones. Can we get into yeah. the other two? Yeah. So the main one is insulin, but the other two are, one of them is leptin and leptin is released from your fat cells. When you're, when you have lots of fat on your body and um, your body is trying to say, Hey, I've got fat on my body. Leptin is released. But when your insulin levels are high, it interferes with leptin secretion. So Whenever your leptin levels, uh, sorry, whenever your insulin levels are high, you get something called leptin resistance. So what that means is you end up eating more than you need because your body is not um, and like being able to understand that, hey, I've got some fat cells on my body. Like, can you use me before eating more food? it actually isn't able to access that signal. So that's the reason why when your insulin levels are high, you're you can get leptin resistance and you're not going to be able to uh, pay attention to when, like, am I eating too enough, basically. And that kind of ties in with the other one, the other hormone as well, which is ghrelin. And ghrelin I like to think of as the hunger hormone that tells us when we are hungry and when we have eaten too enough. So I think of the, the like, grrr in your stomach, like, you know, when you're hungry and you're getting that rumbling tummy. I like think like relating the ghrelin to the, the like the rumbling tummy. And um, what happens is when you, um, Ghrelin is basically released to tell us, hey, I'm hungry now. Can I eat some food? But when you are eating foods that have um, high sugar and flour, what tends to happen is it interferes with ghrelin secretion. So what that means is when you're eating loads of sugar and flour, what will happen is you will not know when you have eaten to enough and then you will end up overeating because there's a part of your brain, that primitive part of your brain that wants you to seek pleasure, avoid pain and stay how you are. So that part of your brain is trying to ensure your survival. So it's always going to say, eat more food, give me more, because it wants you to be able to run away from a wild bear <laughs> when you're being chased, because it thinks that you're still in that era of those caveman, cavewomen days. So that's the reason why your brain is always going to say, eat more, eat more, eat more. So that's why you want to really learn how to balance your hunger hormones so you can pay attention to not what your brain is saying, but what your body is saying. And when you can do that, then it's much easier to be able to lose weight. Awesome. All right. So now that we know what the hunger hormones are, how do we create the balance? Like how do we actually make them work together? Yeah. So the main thing that you want to do, as we said, is lower the insulin levels. And when we're doing, when we're lowering the, lowering the insulin levels, then that will allow leptin to be released, right? So that will allow our, um, body's fat cells to say, hey, use me. I, we don't need as much food, use me. 
and it will allow ghrelin to start working and saying, hey, I've eaten to enough. I don't need any more further food right now. So that's when, when you can lower your insulin levels, all the other two hormones start like balancing out. This is why I say it takes about like when you're actually no sugar, no flour and intermittent fasting, it's the quickest way to balance out your hunger hormones. Now, that doesn't mean you never eat that for the rest of your life, but it just means that in that time period, you are allowing your hunger hormones to reset. And when you have allowed them to reset, what what happens is you're able to start paying attention to when am I physically hungry and can I eat to enough so I don't end up overeating at my meals? So it's basically when you do one, all of them start balancing and it takes about three weeks. Uh, but I say give give a period of six to eight weeks because no one's going to do it perfectly. No one's going to be like, hey, I'm going to go from eating like five meals a day and snacks to intermittent fasting, two meals a day and stuff. So it I, like don't beat yourself up when you are kind of eating some sugar and flour and when you are like, you know, you know, giving like not being able to stick to your intermittent fasting. This is normal. This is a process. And this is something that is that you'll get better at um, the more you do it. And when you get there, you will know very easily when you become fat adapted because you won't physically be able to eat more than you need. Because when your hunger hormones are balanced, that's when your, your, your body is very, like gives you that signal. I've eaten to enough. I can't physically eat more than that. And you feel quite uncomfortable when you consume more food than you need. That is brilliant. I love that when you train your body to do something, it sends you a physical response when you get off the rails, you know? Yeah. And I like that that new normal can come just within a couple of months. Six to eight weeks of something sounds hard, but mm-hmm. when you realize like, you know, this is two months of time, that was going to last me a very long time. Yeah. So when we're making these kind of shifts, I personally am a fan. I use a system that I call eat like you move. And I think if you move more in the morning, you should eat more in the morning. If you move less in the evening, you should eat less in the evening. Um, is there something similar to that in the intermittent fasting world? Do you recommend people, you know, their, their eight hour window? Um, do you recommend that people who are working out early in the morning skip breakfast or work, people who are not working out in the morning, those ones should skip breakfast and then eat, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I think everyone knows when, when they tend to like to eat. So I'm a morning person. So I like to eat breakfast and lunch, like a late lunch. That's kind of my kind of like regime. I really enjoy that. But I noticed that actually when I was working out, like if I was doing like a long, a lot of like, you know, cardio exercise, I, it was raising my like insulin levels through the roof because basically whenever you exercise, you're raising your cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone in your body. And that increases your insulin levels. So basically I was getting hungrier, much hungrier, much quicker. So that's when I would, I would say to myself, Hey, I'm feeling hungry. So I'm going to eat at that time. Whereas some people, they don't actually feel hungry in the mornings, even when they work out. So I would base it on how am I feeling right now? So there's no like, I think you should eat earlier and you shouldn't, even when you're exercising, I would give it a go. I would say, hey, why don't you uh, try eating before you work out? How do you feel? Do you feel like really bloated when you're working out? Do you feel too like uncomfortable or do you prefer to work out fasted? And when you can figure that out for yourself and, and actually do that trial and error, that's when you can really, really see, hey, This is what I feel like when I work out fasted. This is what I feel like when I don't. And I want you to give it a few weeks, not like just one day or two days, because it takes a while for your for your like hormones to actually catch up and and for you to actually start paying attention to them. So if you are trying one way, like give it a few few weeks and then then change if if, if it's not suiting you. And keep tweaking in between. 
yeah, I have what I call the three day rule and I like to do something, you know, in a regimented way for three days. And then if I need to tweak it after three days, then I've sort of eliminated some of the variables. Oh, maybe yeah. yesterday it was just because I had an off day, but you know, I've done it three <laughs> days in a row. So I can tell that this is actually how I feel if I eat before a, a workout or yeah. if I eat after or whatever. Yeah, I love that because then at least then you're keeping the variable, most of the variables the same. So, you know, when you're making a change, then what is that change due to? Exactly. Yes. Okay. So question, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but why does the stomach growl? <laughs> my stomach growls a lot. Like it, even whether I'm full, whether I'm empty, it doesn't matter. My stomach is always making noise. Do you know what the deal is with that? Well, it's because our intestines are processing the food as we are like, you know, all the time. So that's why your stomach may actually growl after you've eaten as well, because it's starting to process. So it's kind of like, it's basically doing this, right? That's what your intestines are doing as it's kind of like processing the food. And sometimes what happens is you get some air that's trapped and it makes that growling sound. So there's nothing more than other than that, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of figured it was something like that, but I was yeah. curious if there was more science behind it. Good deal. Um, my next question is, um, I know I personally and several of my clients, we have a connection between brain fog and fasting. Mm. When we fast during times of day, when we, I don't know, shouldn't be when it's not right for us, we instantly mm. feel that brain fog. So physically yes. I feel fine, but brain fogfully, it's hugely, it's a major indicator to me that yes. this is not right for you. Is there something scientifically related yes, to that? Or? There really is. So Basically, this is the reason why I say give it six to eight weeks, because when you are initially a, 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 um, a sugar burner, which means you are using the sugar that you're consuming in your food as fuel, then when you're trying to shift to become a fat burner, it's going to take some time for your hunger hormones to catch up. This is why you're going to get things like brain fog. You're going to feel hangry. You're going to feel like low um, energy. You may um, like get loads of urges to eat, you know, that feeling of over desire. I need to eat right now. You're going to get a lot of that. So this is a period of kind of a few weeks. And when like you can anticipate them, one thing that I suggest is drinking plenty of water and making sure that you're eating some good meals. So good, nutritious meals. And often that is enough um, to be like, hey, I'm, I'm making, I, I can see physically on my food plan, I'm eating enough food and I'm drinking plenty of water. That's often enough to um, help with that brain fog. Some people also use um, uh, pink Himalayan salt that can sometimes help with the brain fog. Um, but I tend not to do that unless I'm doing like a, a, a longer fast, but I don't particularly like the longer fast. So some people fast for like up to three days. Um, and I think that it can be useful for some people when they have um, insulin resistance um, and they've tried loads of other things and they really love fasting. Um, but I wouldn't do that without medical attention, to be honest, um, because otherwise you can get electrolyte problems and some refeeding syndrome and things like that when you are fasting for longer without um, medical attention. Okay. Awesome. Does that timeline have to do with pattern formation? Like your brain has to get used to the pattern or is it, mo is it mostly just hormone related? So like for my it's, example, with the brain fog, you just feel like the first couple of weeks feels like drudgery. How do we get yeah. through that sort of drudgery and what is actually happening in, in that first yeah. change period? So what's happening is you are going from being a sugar burner to becoming a fat burner. And actually the brain fog is happening because 
the the fuel is still um you're still a sugar burner at that time so your brain is saying i need some more fuel i need some more fuel but actually the best fuel for your brain are ketones and the ketones are from the breakdown of fat in your in your body so actually when you become fat adapted when you've been doing intermittent fasting for a long time what you may notice is actually you have very like peaked um uh, energy and you're actually your concentration is much better and you are able to do things like have so much more energy than you may have had before and that is because your brain processes ketones much better than it does um even sugars so that brain fog is only um happening for the first few weeks and when you become fat adapted you are very it's very unlikely that you're going to get the brain fog when you're fasting interesting I'm of the opinion that the more times you can wake up your metabolism and earlier in the day that you start, the more control you have in terms of portion control and amounts and what the kinds of foods are that you eat instead of feeling like I am so hungry, I could eat anything right now. So I personally recommend that, you know, you spread your foods out throughout the day versus uh, this other option, unless you have specific needs that are insulin related. I think intermittent mm -hmm. fasting is perfect for pre-diabetes or unique circumstances like that. But for the general population, I still think that there's value to starting early and continuing frequently so that you can keep those portions in control and you don't go to your next meal starving. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I used to be of that camp, to be honest, um, because I had been taught that for so long. And when I actually started intermittent fasting and actually gave it a go, then I actually didn't feel starving because my hunger hormones were balanced. And because any time that I was hungry, my body would access my fat stores for fuel. And so there was never that like starving hunger. It was very much like just a wisp of hunger and then it would go down and it wouldn't be like that urgent hunger that I'm so used to what I used to be used to. Now I could go like for, you know, periods of time and it's just not that much of a big deal, which is completely different to what I used to be like. I used to be like, oh my gosh, if I don't get food, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be like pulling someone's hair out or pulling my own hair out. And my husband always used to have snacks on hand because I would always just bite his head off otherwise. Right. But now when you when you actually become a fat burner, you've got fat on your body, even when you're normal BMI um, for months and months and months. And so um, I don't agree with that, um, that way of doing things anymore because I've seen the other side and I've kind of read the science and stuff. And that's what I follow now. Interesting. Okay. I'm always an open mind to all things. So I will keep yeah. researching on this concept. And I think to be honest, everyone's different, right? Because um, there's some people who just won't want to fast and that's okay. Like you don't need to fast if you don't want to fast. Um, but I want you to pay attention to what feels good for you. It may be eating several meals a day and actually you may just want to lower your like insulin um, spike every time you eat. So you may want to eat, um, you know, not much sugar and flour when you are eating, but actually eating more, more often. You may want to be like, hey, actually that feels uncomfortable to me. I would rather like just eat the two, two meals in the day and then like that be done with it. But I want you to be able to experiment with it and see, look, there's no one size fits all. I won't be able to tell you like there's no one size that fits all for anyone, 
But when you can figure out your own, which is what I teach in my program, right? Because when you can make your own doable plan where you're actually creating your own plan and then looking at, okay, what can I actually follow here? And let me evaluate it and see what went well, what didn't go well, what will I do? Like, what will I tweak for next time? Then you get a very personalized plan for you that you're going to be able to stick to for life because you are creating it and you are tweaking it. And that is when everything becomes so much more easier. Absolutely beautiful. I love that part so much. It's all about you. It's totally personal to you. And um, you got to figure out what way is the best for you. So if you guys are, you know, trying these different things, um, if you like, let's say that we want to start intermittent fasting, or we want to start even just decreasing the insulin's released when we're eating our meals, we want to have less sugar, less flour, um, those kinds of things. You guys remember that there's, there's two ways to decrease your insulin. Time is not the only way, but also the content itself. Um, but is as we're making these shifts, so many of us are like, oh, this is so different than what I'm doing. This has to be the answer. This is the piece I've been missing. And then they try it and they get so frustrated because it's not the missing piece. Do you have any tips on how we can combat that whole, oh, this is the piece I'm missing. I have to jump it all in both feet straight in. And then two weeks in, I'm super frustrated. What can yeah. we do to avoid that? So the main thing is the mindset behind it. I want you to go in knowing that your body is used to eating a certain way especially if you're eating a lot of sugar and flour and you're eating several meals a day. So you're not going to be able to go from eating five five meals a day all with sugar and flour to intermittent fasting, like two meals a day with no snacks, right? It's probably not going to work like that. So anticipate that this is going to be a journey. This is going to, you are going to, you know, have some teething problems. You are going to be noticing, hey, this isn't going to be like just the one missing piece. There is no one missing piece in weight loss. It's so multifactorial. And actually the main thing is not actually what you eat, but it's what you feed your brain because it's your thoughts that create your results. So when you are actually like going in with the mindset of I'm willing to, you know, um, you know, see how this goes, or I'm willing that I know that this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable for me. And I'm willing to really like um, go all in with that. When you're going in with that mindset and anticipating that, yeah, it is going to be like a little bit tough because it's completely different to what you've been doing. I think that's going to set you up for, for the success because you're anticipating it's good. There's going to be some obstacles. And then what I would suggest is uh, like actually putting down, okay, what obstacles do I think are going to come up and how am I going to solve for them? Like very specifically. So I'll give you an example. When I started intermittent fasting, one of the things was um, I was going around to my mom's house and she's not used to me fasting. And she was like, wait, like, what are you doing? Like, you're depriving yourself. Like you are like, this is, you've got an eating disorder and things like that. Like, so all of that was coming up. And I like, that was one of my obstacles. So I had to like, you know, anticipate that this is going to be one of the obstacles and how am I going to respond to it? So that's when I was able to practice. This is what I'm going to say to her. I'm going to say, no, actually, this is based on science, mom. And I know it's completely different to what you've heard. um, But this is um, something that I'm really giving a go. And I would really appreciate your support on it. So if I was able to anticipate that this may come up, how can I solve for that particular obstacle? That is definitely something that I would suggest. Brilliant. Expect the unexpected. I agree with that. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, if any of you have any other questions, please feel free to reach out to me at Susie B Habits on any social media platform or um, Rudy, where can we find you? We need more information from you, all the things that you do. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's been such an honor to, um, 
to be on this call today. Thank you so much for having me. So you can find me. Um, so I have a one-to-one coaching practice and I have a group, group coaching program. I enroll four times a year. So I um, help women um, get to the root cause of their overeating struggles, mainly using mind management and body techniques, where I help you um, feel all of your emotions so that you don't need food to make it better. Um, and I um, help you do it in a very simple, doable and clear way so you can keep your weight loss off for life, but also in a way where we're dealing with all the other things in your life as well, because everything that's going to happen in your life actually impacts your food. So I'm a life coach by profession, but obviously I'm a doctor and a physician as well. So you can find me at, um, at www.amriticoaching.com, or you can um, find me at on Instagram at amruti.coaching. And I'd love for you to kind of share your biggest takeaway from the call, tag me, um, and that'd be so, so awesome. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yes. Everybody go on social media today or tomorrow and tag us at, at habits and humor or at Susie B habits. And I'm Rudy. What is, what was your handle again? At amruti.coaching. Okay. Fabulous. And then tell us what you got out of today, because if we know what is helpful for you, then we can continue to send out that particular kind of information. So it's not only good for you to sort of process what you were able to learn today, but it's a, it helps us to be able to know what more information we need to put out. So go ahead and, you know, put that out on whatever social media platform you use and tag us. And uh, thanks everybody for coming today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. I know I did. This is a really interesting conversation that I've been researching for quite a while now, and I will continue to do so. So thank you so much, Emery. I just really appreciate you being here. All of your genius, all of your brilliance. I just really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for asking such amazing questions and being so engaged. So thank you. It was so fun. All right, you guys have a fantastic day and we'll see you next week on the Habits and Humor show. See ya. Thanks for joining us this week on the Habits and Humor podcast, where you come to learn about health and habits and then take action. If you're ready to take action and turn simple habits into massive results that last a lifetime, or you'd like to join our free live call with incredible guests every Tuesday, message me at Habits. That's S-U-Z-I-B Habits on your favorite social media platform and we'll get you in here. Or you can join our free Habits and Humor Facebook group for additional free resources. I'm Susie B and this is Habits and Humor. Come to laugh, stay to learn, choose to live.